This is the Run Pod Option. I'm Marty. I'm Kyle. I'm Jeff. Follow us at Run Pod Option on Twitter. Email us runpodoption at gmail.com. Subscribe, tell your friends. It's the giving time of year, right? So give them the gift of the Run Pod Option. <laughs> you know, it is the season, but I do want to start on a little bit of a somber note. We have word that talks between Rutgers and Greg Schiano have fallen through. <laughs> and they are no longer going to be coming to terms with Greg Schiano as their head coach. Were they talks or were they more just like loud yelling? It was actually a list of demands that Schiano provided that Rutgers, I don't think they laughed at it. They just can't meet them. Did you see those numbers, Jeff? I don't think his uh, asking price for his salary was unreasonable, but wasn't it like a multi- $100 million practice facility and other things that he wanted, like, yesterday. Exactly, yeah. It was honestly a very reasonable commitment for someone to ask going into a program that's in the Big Ten, especially if they want to compete in the Big Ten East, and Rutgers just isn't there. So I think, oddly enough, Shiano was, I think, the level-headed one and that he saw and knew what he needed. This is not going to happen at that school. I think that one of the... Uh other demands that wasn't reported was that he was asking for at least two more years of eligibility for Mike Teal. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know what? And honestly, oh. really the way we look at things environmentally has changed so much. Maybe chopping wood, his whole stick doesn't work anymore in this more green environment that we live in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, PJ flex all about rowing the boat. So right. And like windmill hydroelectricity, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> water power? Water power. Water windmill. <laughs> so Penn State got water windmilled by Ohio State this week. Okay, so here's what I thought about that game. Like, I remember I was, I was watching it, and I called my dad. And I was like, oh, man, Ohio State's about to pour it on. It's 21 nothing." And then all of a sudden it wasn't. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was like, what, 14 to 21 at some point. Yeah, I think it might have gotten as close to 21 to uh, 17. Yeah, in the third quarter, Penn State scored 17 points in about a three and a half minute span. It was wild seeing them try to one up Auburn and do the third quarter only offense instead (laughs) of the fourth quarter only. And I think the comeback, it was before Levis entered the game, right? Was it still Clifford or did Clifford get knocked out by then? Clifford got knocked knocked out during that. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because Levis came in in the third quarter, you're right. So he wasn't Clifford, but it didn't seem like it was much of an improvement for that offense. It was simply Ohio State pulling what Oklahoma did against Baylor and and just fumbling it away. Yeah, they got sloppy. I mean, Dobbins. It was, oh man, that that, that fumble that he had where he he just got ripped out of his hands. Just careless at that point. Yep. And then Fields going into the end zone and getting it knocked out too. So ridiculous. I was impressed by Penn State's defense. Honestly, once they, that first 14 points, even though it was over the course of that first half, it felt like, especially that first drive. Let me, let me start there. The first drive for Ohio State, just marching down the field. I figured we were about to watch the kind of game that has the kind of spread that they, that they teased, right? Like this is going to be a 20 point game. 
Yeah. And Penn State did a really good job of keeping Ohio State in front of them, which is about the nicest thing I can say about Penn State, because otherwise, offensively, they looked pretty booty the entire time. They were pretty offensive. Yes, they did. Yes. And part of that's because Chase Young is back. I'm pretty sure he knocked Clifford out of the game, didn't he? If it wasn't him, I can't remember the guy that's on the other side, but we spoke about Chase Young, I guess. Oddly enough, it was the episode was called Chase Young Money, and then after that, we found out he actually took money, right? I think that's the timeline. <laughs> Maybe. Someone did mention that they should go ahead and just give him the all-time sack award because there was 10 sacks he got robbed out of from Rutgers and Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> it's true can they just put an asterisk next to his name at the end of this year like <laughs> yeah there was a stat that i saw and i'm pr- not doing it justice because i can't remember it exactly but he was the first player to have multiple games where he had three or more sacks and two or more forced fumbles in the same game jeff do you want to take a guess at who that other player was this is like since 2005 was it Sue? It was Elvis Doomerville. Oh, wow. When Marty told me that earlier today, I kind of popped hard. I was like, oh, Elvis Doomerville. God, it's just a name I hadn't thought of. I cannot wait. Honestly, I can't wait till the offseason so we can finally do what we started this podcast to begin with. And it's talk about the Elvis Doomervilles, the Michael Sams, and the Dan Fevers of the world. <laughs> the George Selvies. George Selvie, Matt Grothy. I didn't lead it with the show, but I do... Hope all our listeners have a good holiday season, a good Thanksgiving. We're going to have a little bit of a shorter episode this time around, and then we're having a big-time pick show in time for y'all's trip during Thanksgiving. So you're welcome. Jeff's not going to be on that show, so you're welcome again. Wow. (laughs) It's just going to be Marty and I. And I'm starting a Splinter podcast tomorrow night. (laughs) Yeah, Jeff's just, he's going to be an independent now with UMass <laughs> and just do his own thing. I'm starting a Brigham Young podcast, actually. <laughs> Are you going to invite, like, everybody from your family onto it? <laughs> We're just going to sit, sit in a room and talk about college football together. <laughs> Georgia held off Texas A&M winning 19-13. to Did y'all get a chance to see this game at all? Just did not. Pieces. Okay, so it was not a great game to watch, honestly. And part of the reason is A&M just tried to run the Georgia offense the first half, and that wasn't going to work pretty evidently. The Georgia offense doesn't work for Georgia. No. You, that's a, that's a, you know what? That's a fantastic point. And it is a perfect pairing with last week's episode when we discussed this. The Aggies had a pretty big second half and a big fourth quarter compared to the rest of the game, just like Auburn did. And Georgia literally only scored one touchdown. And then Rodrigo Blankenship is the player. He's he's the, the Bulldog Hall, Hall of Famer that's out there for their offense at this point. This might be a controversial take, but does Georgia have the best defense in the country? Or is it just they haven't played many quality teams? Yeah, it's. I don't want to short them by saying, well, they haven't played anybody that would warrant that stamp of approval. Right. But those people that they have played against, they've looked really, really good against. So I think the answer is probably yes, they are. But I do want to see what LSU looks like against them. Yeah. Because it very well, 
it wouldn't surprise me if it was a tight game and Georgia is as advertised and it wouldn't surprise me if LSU blew them out too. I don't think they've really played an offense that's threatening all season. That's that's the thing is I think that Georgia has a really good defense. I just don't know if I would call it the best defense in the country because I don't know what they look like against a really good offense. And I'm curious what that defense looks like in a game where they might have to keep score. If they make the playoffs, if they have to keep up with LSU and Ohio State, I actually think they probably have the firepower to at least stay in that game for a little while. I'd be curious how that defense holds up after three three and outs that are really fast, you know, when they're down 14 and just, just how they'd hang because genuinely it looked like A&M started to get separation and Georgia defenders were just hanging all over their tight ends and receivers. I didn't realize it watching, but Texas A&M finished with minus two rushing yards. <laughs> so yeah, it, you're right. The yardage was equal. Otherwise, A&M actually outgained them 274 to 260 and had more first downs. That's that's pretty wild. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what that looks like, too, in the second half, because I I'm sorry, in the fourth quarter specifically, because it felt like the Aggies had at least 140 of that just in the fourth quarter. But when you're just trying to pound it up the middle against Georgia, it's not going to work. Not with A&M's offensive line. That's pretty much all I have on this game. There's not really much else to uh, discuss from that game. It'll be interesting to see both Georgia and Georgia Tech coming off wins, what that game looks like next week. <laughs> I, do have, I do have one other question for you guys. So are we in year two or three of Jimbo? Is this year two? This is year two. Seven wins. They will finish... With who's last on their schedule? They have LSU next week. Oh my god! A rematch of the seven, <laughs> the seven overtime melee that was last year. So it, at, at, they are likely going to finish seven and five. What are your guys' thoughts on that for year two of the Jimbo era? Taking away everything, just the money. This is the low side, I think, of where A and M should be expecting to be every year. Seven to ten wins is the target. And every Aggie, I think, will tell you they want the SEC West, just like any other team. And they have a better chance than Mississippi State right now, you know, looking forward, looking for the next few years. You just can't, though. It, they're, they're the Penn State of the SEC. <laughs> like, you're, you're either stuck behind Ohio State, read Alabama, or Michigan, read Auburn, or and now LSU – I don't see how A&M, I don't see how Jimbo ends up being the guy to push them over the top. I know he won a national championship. He was also still in the ACC. Yeah. I guess this is a hot taker here. I don't really think that Jimbo's that great of a coach. Everybody talks about him. He tries to take credit. Ah, God. All right. Without sounding like this super hateful. There was... A time when when Jimbo first signed with A and M, and A and M was putting out marketing materials oh for my God, yeah. the type of player that Jimbo had produced, like air quotes, right? And I think it was like nine NFL defensive backs. It was Jalen Ramsey was on there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and it may have been Jalen himself that was just saying like Jimbo didn't have a hand in our development at all. Yeah, right? it was him. Yeah, I can't believe Jalen Ramsey went out and said something. <laughs> yeah, weird, right? But it's a catch-22. Was Jimbo responsible for recruiting him? 
cool, yeah. I don't think he's the one that was at that game or he's the one that sought him out. But I think he can employ good people. And that's really, if A&M's willing to pony up for the assistance, the only way that A&M has a chance in the SEC West. Because it's not Jimbo's head coaching ability. I don't think it's Jimbo's, like, hoorah, let's go get him ability. He's not a great late-game manager. I think he surrounds himself with good and smart people. Not unlike P.J. Fleck. P.J. Fleck's not an X's and O's guy. No. And he'll be the first to tell you, but he is like the hoorah, get your troops in order guy. I'm not sure Jimbo's even that. I've just been nonplussed by him. Yeah, from what from what I remember of his time at Florida State, I thought he had a heavy hand in the offense. Like, isn't he very... I don't even know. He might even be the play caller, but that was kind of his the feather in, in the cap, so to speak. And his offense doesn't look like it's developed much from Florida State, and that's a problem. Like, that... That kind of weird hybrid pro style pistol offense just doesn't like it doesn't really do anything. So we have him to thank for Christian Ponder. <laughs> Did we? I think so. I think he might have been there. He was there. I think you're half right, Jeff. I think that system can work. It will not work in the SEC West as long as you have Saban, as long as you have Auburn's defense like it's been. And as long as LSU, even though they're not there defensively like like they are normally, it can't keep pace now that we see what LSU is capable of. No, and not when their defense isn't filled with NFL draft picks like Florida State's was. Right. And, and that's what Florida State looked like after the playoff appearance. Because the next season, it looked like they lost a lot of NFL talent. And then we saw whether Willie Taggart was a good or bad coach – players that either weren't developed or they weren't good enough to replace the talent they had before. And A&M has always had this little brother mentality. And I think a lot of A&M Aggies get offended by it, but it's just kind of growing up in Texas, A&M's not the first team you learn about, unless you're an A&M family. It's Texas, period. And A&M has this weird kind of history of being Texas's best rival, but not someone that was Texas's biggest competitor, because that was Oklahoma. A&M is South Carolina to Texas's Clemson. Definitely in the odds. I think with how Texas has fallen off lately, which we may cover uh, at some point of just how happy are we with Tom Herman, guys? Does LSU glad that they didn't get him? Uh, <laughs> but I think that's probably a perfect comparison for people that live in the Carolinas like we do currently South Carolina to Clemson is a very, very good comparison for what it was like when Texas was regular national championship contenders and A&M was trotting out Mike Sherman and Javorski lane at running (laughs) (laughs) and Ryan Tannehill at at receiver Mac Brown owned the state pat him on the head and say, good job, little buddy. And speaking of state, Arizona State hosted the Oregon Ducks. And the most tired joke in the world, they played to win Win the game. game. I watched this entire game. It was surprising that I did, if only because it was such a weak slate of games. But the afternoon slot had such exciting games, surprisingly, that I ended up tuning into this one. Jaden Daniels is someone I mentioned on the podcast before. 
and I'd seen him play once prior, and he was good, not great. He was great, Balling. sometimes good, against Oregon. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not happy with this result at all. And the reason I say that is because this 100% opens the door for Alabama to sneak into the to- into the playoffs. Yep, they beat Auburn. Well, if they beat Auburn, then Utah, maybe maybe they even win the Pac-12, but it doesn't matter because all of a sudden LSU goes, beats Georgia, and they're Georgia saying – Georgia Falls. Yep. Georgia Falls, and they say, oh, well, Alabama's the next best team. Yep. You think a Utah win over Oregon because Oregon is a two-loss team now would hurt would hurt the Pac-12's playoff chances? Maybe. Going up against might. Alabama. Yeah, I think it might. I think there's also, you know, it's not even wrapped up. If Utah loses to Colorado, USC's in the Pac-12 championship. <laughs> there Please you go. God, let that happen. <laughs> Can you imagine the fact <laughs> that they it's a fitting forced end. to keep Helton? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, USC. USC's tried to throw it. Go like, no, you really need to start your like four string. We need to get these uh, these walk ons um, some some playing time. Um, so uh, so that well, honestly, we just need Urban Meyer to come here. So help me stop. <laughs> yeah, USC Sorry, wins Urban. by two, and they go like, up oh, Arizona State beat them by three. Clay, we're gonna have to let you go. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm out on Justin Herbert. Yeah, he threw. Uh, I. I watched your uh, ten minute highlights, like you rec- like you do, Marty, and threw a really bad interception and had another one that, you know, it almost was just under fifty percent completion. Just not, not what you expect out of Mister Top Ten Pick. No, I think I figured out the Herbert problem though. I, I've said it a few times where it seems like when he turns it on, boy, does he turn it on. It was a Washington game, I think, in fact, where he looked pretty average, pretty average, and then the end of the first half looked good, and then the second half he had bits and pieces where he looked untouchable. I think Herbert is a momentum passer, and I think Mario Cristobal and and Oregon as a whole's offense right now is not designed like it was with Chip Kelly, obviously. It's a different team a different offense and it's not an offense that runs with pace very often. And if he was running with pace, I think he'd also be putting up Washington state numbers passing, but as it is, they want to slow down the game. And in this case against Arizona state, it absolutely bit him. Is Justin Herbert now, you know, we were saying that he's not the best in the system. Is he going to turn into in the NFL, just another Oregon quarterback that can't make it? Are we using the slider? Are, are, is the slider at Joey Harrington on one side and Mariota on the other? <laughs> it, it might be Dennis wow. Dixon somewhere in the middle. I don't know. Yeah, Dennis Dixon's just the guy that never got a chance because he sat behind Ben. Yeah. yeah. I think he's probably closer to Mariota, but just like Mariota, I think it's going to depend on the situation he ends up in. If he goes to a coach that's more willing to speed up the game and not run no huddle, just speed up the game, I think he could benefit him. Even today's Lions, I think he could benefit in. Or the Eagles would even be a good pick or a good place for him. I, I just don't think he's a huddle up, walk up to the offense, take a snap at six seconds, plays it done, everybody huddles up, they take the full 35, you know, they take every second they need. Yeah, you're you're looking over at the sideline. You're talking to everybody. Yeah, 
yeah, you're patting every lineman on the ass before, you know, pointing out coverages and stuff. I don't think that, I think that he, momentum serves him well. And Arizona State did a really good job of disturbing Oregon all game, even with that fourth quarter crazy comeback that Oregon seemed to be on. They were, it seemed like they were just going to pull it out. They were going to Oklahoma their way into it. I did have one interesting note from this game, actually. Did you know that Marvin Lewis is an assistant at Arizona State? <laughs> I saw him on the TV. <laughs> Me too. And, it, and like I did a double confuse. And I made sure to Google to see if it was him and it wasn't just a mistaken identity. Marvin Lewis. Yeah. Is he like well, a is he like a full time assistant or one of like the BS like analyst roles? I think he's probably. Oh, well, I don't know. He's on the field, so I yeah. think he might be an analyst by name, but probably more of an assistant coach. I mean, it's probably not bad. Just coach and hang out. And- Beautiful Arizona for the fall. Yeah, retire. Better than Cincy. You can count uh, the Bengals out of the race for getting Herbert now. <laughs> oh, well, no, that's not going to matter. No, th- sorry. No, in fact, yeah. the fact that they saw Marvin Lewis stop him is, means they're definitely not going to get him. <laughs> yeah. Their scouts were like leaving, like, all right, guys, we can't. We're out of here. I, it was... <laughs> I, I'm. What do we think of the overall week before we dive into some of these like smaller bullet points? Because we all thought it was going to suck, which usually means it's going to be insane. And if it wasn't for Oregon losing, I'm not sure it's insane. I was. It was kind of a tough week to really hold, you know, real attention. Um, yeah, Oregon losing was it was a big, big, uh, it had huge implications towards the playoff, towards the towards the rankings but other than that everything kind of held serve and it wasn't great i mean it, that's what happens when you have you know vacation week for the sec yeah when you take most of your big teams out and then on the on the flip side you have AM and georgia who combined for a total of 500 yards between the two of them and then you have lsu playing what is essentially a division three arkansas team there were a couple interesting games, and we talked. We touched on it a little bit. Um, USC beating on Chip Kelly's corpse was kind of interesting, just because I think it's it's making it harder for that new athletic director. Yep, and and their season's done. They're they're eight and four, and unless Utah loses, they're done until a bowl game. Yeah, but I mean, they finished seven and two in the Pac-12, which is really not bad for how they've been. Marty, we know you know you're a big fan of Harold, and he's done a really nice job there. So that was interesting. Uh, it's a really quiet seven and two. They lost some games to teams you expect them to. And other than that, it's just kind of been like they've just been beating teams really quietly. So yeah, I think there's a few winners of this USC season. Harold is one of them. Yes, Slovis is turned into one. Michael is it Michael Pittman Jr. Yep. The receiver is one. The Blitnikoff finalist. Yeah, yeah. I think that I'm kind of happy to see it. Like they're an exciting team that finished eight and four, and they ended up beating what's probably going to be the Pac-12 champion or the class yeah. of the Pac-12. And I know that Utah lost Zach Moss, but that's still that's still something. I guess the one other we talked about a, a big disappointment: Texas and Jimbo. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on Tom Herman concussing himself and then losing to Baylor? Did he actually get a concussion? I'm pretty sure he did. He had butt of a guy. Okay. I got I, I thought there was news that came out that said he was actually concussed. He had low hydration levels. I so. did like that after only scoring three points all game, they did call a timeout at the end of the game to score that last touchdown. 
<laughs> a mercy touchdown. No, no, it shows that they have the will to win. You know, they're they're still they're, they're, they're still fighting. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, they're six bad. and five. I don't understand. They're bad. I do understand. I just don't think they're very good. No. But they're back. They said so last year. Yeah, Ellinger said it even this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a tough schedule too. To be fair, like you you played LSU, you still had to play Oklahoma, and then the conference is kind of. It is weird that going into the season, everyone knew it was going to be Oklahoma and then who was going to be number two. And we discussed this during our prediction show, but it was Iowa State. It was potentially Texas. It was maybe Oklahoma State because you had all these new coaches. And I don't think anybody saw Baylor. And I don't know if Baylor's even that good. Baylor might be last year's Syracuse. Very possible. Taking advantage of a conference that's full of new coaches and, and winning 50, 50 games, very young quarterbacks. Yep. And winning yeah. games that are, yeah, exactly. One score games. Yeah, Marty, I thought your analogy, no matter how twisted it was, was very fitting. Like watching Baylor, they don't look like a top tier team, but they're just so scrappy and they find ways to win and they do just enough on offense, um, which is a credit to the, you know, rule and his staff and the players. But They've, it's it's been weird to watch them. Like I don't get this vibe of them just being like elite yet, but they might be there soon. It might also be that we're in the same decade that they were an elite offensive unit. It wasn't that long ago. No, it was a couple of years ago. And, and speaking of decades in the Big Twelve, after Kansas's loss to Iowa State, they are officially over on the road in the conference for the decade. <laughs> <laughs> They haven't won a road conference game in 10 years. That is, that's tough to do. It's almost impossible. It's unbelievable because there's been some bad teams they played through there. How did they not play like really bad Baylor? You know, like right after, right after sanctions Baylor. It was at, it was at Kansas that first Uh, year, I think. All right. I'm going to burn through some of these notes and then we can get uh, Jeff out of here and get everybody on their way because they're hopefully driving to a great Thanksgiving dinner feast uh, supper feast 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 seems sure. more appropriate righty. Cal after starting the season 4-0 officially bowl eligible after they beat Stanford it's taken some time I watched <laughs> a lot of the Oklahoma TCU game and I don't know how much of it you caught but Oklahoma again just really loves exciting games and they probably would have won anyways, but there was an awful officiating call that they ruled a third yeah. and one to that be complete. Terrible. It was awful. It was not even close. It might have been third and two. And they're probably going to convert on fourth and one because they're on the other side of the field. But give them a chance. Yeah. Poor, poor Gary Patterson lost his voice, I think. The most exciting game of the week was on the Pac-12 network, which is exciting to me only because I won't have that channel until next year. And there won't be a good game on it all year, I can guarantee you, just because I'll have that channel. (laughs) Anthony Gordon was 50 for 70 for 606 yards and six touchdowns and three interceptions. Oh, my God. That's the most Mike Leach thing. Oregon State blew a lead. They were up 11 points with five minutes remaining, and Washington State came back. Bigger upset. Georgia Tech beat North Carolina State. Shout out to our listener, Michael. Florida International wearing their Miami Vice helmets, which were dope as hell, defeated the Miami Hurricanes 30-24. to 
That Hold includes on. 21 points Miami scored in the fourth quarter. How is NC State and Georgia Tech, how is that a, a bigger upset? Because NC State's trash. Yeah, but Georgia Tech just is coming from a triple option. I feel like... Yeah, but NC State's trash. Yeah, NC State is really, really... Georgia Tech is like the burning dumpster, though. At least they should have No, been. that's Syracuse. <laughs> it's... Well, Syracuse jo- jokes on you, it's the bottom State. of the ACC. There's four teams <laughs> fighting to get into that burning dumpster. <laughs> Do you think that Miami would have been 6-5 and five had they let Manny Diaz stay at Temple? <laughs> I don't think they would have been. I think they would have been maybe 8-3 and three if they uh, let Tate Martell play quarterback. Oh, God, he didn't even make the trip. <laughs> yeah, he, didn't, he wasn't even at the game. He's over it. The moment of this game is actually... Uh, when Florida International kicked a field goal, I believe it was to spread the lead to 30-24. It might have been a different time, but I was not watching this game full full transparency. I was following it along on Twitter because people were going nuts, and I wasn't about to turn off Oregon and Arizona State. But the Florida International kicker kicks a field goal, and they have the sky cam, right? Like where it's kind of at the floating <laughs> X cam. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, and he yeah. turns around, flexes, looks at the camera, and then does the throat slash symbol. And, <laughs> and Florida International is officially bowl eligible after that win. And I think they're my favorite team in Florida now. They have to yeah. be after in, in the Butch trash Davis. They were talking. Yeah, yeah after, after the game. Butch Davis does the throat, he has his kicker do a throat slash. Did did Brandon Mayweather come in from the from the crowd with a helmet and start swinging it? <laughs> no, but people were calling it the Ned Bowl because it was a Florida International player coming in with crutches during that whole that whole scuffle back in the day. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, we talked about UCA, uh, USC and UCLA. The loss for UCLA officially eliminates UCLA from potential bowl eligibility, so That's they're four done. Years in a row. God, it's crazy. Uh, shout out to University of North Carolina, Charlotte. They are bowl eligible officially. And if you haven't watched the video of their coach celebrating, it looked like he was in the middle of the rave without a shirt wearing the, wearing 49ers. the 49er helmet. Or, <laughs> yeah, or the hat. mascot head. Yeah. It is truly a blessing. <laughs> there's strobe lights going off. It's one of the greatest things I've seen. This <laughs> it, it puts like the weird Mac Brown lean back dance to absolute shame. Yeah. <laughs> it's a creepy furry. Will Healy, dude. Will Healy's the truth. And there was another stat I saw that was kind of concurrent to it. Austin P for eight years, only won. They lost 48 of 49 games or something like that. Like, they were awful. And Will Healy came in and had a really good year. He gets taken, goes to UNC Charlotte. And then this year with, if you've heard the name before, Mark Hudspeth takes – Austin P to the FCS playoffs, which is really cool for that program, but it just kind of shows what Will Healy is all about. And yeah. good for Hudspeed still getting some 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 action. Let's do our players of the week, gentlemen. Okay. Who do you got, Kyle? Once again, not a crazy memorable weekend, but uh, give me Chase Young. Good on him. Welcome back, Chase Young. Yes. <laughs> the Jeff. feel good story of the year. Oh my god! <laughs> um, we talked about him a lot, but uh, Jaden Daniels just a massive game, four hundred eight yards bitch, and three man. touchdowns. Did I steal your guy? <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> 
All right, you keep talking about Jaden Daniels. I'll find Navy one. running back. Pick a Navy running back. No, it's the <laughs> Navy quarterback. Uh, all right, so mine is going to be Navy quarterback Malcolm Perry, who had 38 <laughs> rushes for 195 yards and two touchdowns, but he was also 9 for 15 passing, 162 yards and one touchdown. He was unstoppable. And it may be what keeps SMU from winning 10 games this year, which is mildly upsetting. But I think, let the record show that I called this as a loss about a month and a half ago, back when SMU was undefeated. Yep. I was almost certain going to Navy was going to be the hardest game they had. Um, Honorable mention, uh, I'm going to give it to the Louisville defense for, uh, or no, the Syracuse defense for um, just putting Syracuse's dreams to bed. What dreams were those? Maybe all, all six and six, yeah. <laughs> dreams. The Little Caesars Bowl. Yeah. Dino can fi- he can make his golfing plans in January without issue now. Yep. <laughs> or December. I can, now, I can now focus on college basketball. <laughs> That's what we were going to potentially do, a what were we thankful for? And I realized we can't because Kyle goes, I'm thankful for college basketball to make me forget about <laughs> <laughs> Syracuse football. And I was like, That's. They've already had the same amount of wins, didn't you say? Yeah, that? yeah, we're four and one in basketball and f- four and seven in football. Excellent. Well, excellent. Yes, it's great. It's wonderful. Everybody, thank you for listening to the Run Pod Option. Have fun. Hopefully, you're not working. Drive safely. Hug your loved ones, gentlemen. Do you want to say bye? Bye bye. Have fun with food. All right, guys, thank y'all, and have a happy holidays. You will have the pick show, and they will be out before you make your commute, hopefully, for Thanksgiving. Jeff, go kiss all your family square on the lips. Every one of them. I'm no Tom Brady. Come on. Hi, my name is Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. And we are the hosts of a statistics and sports podcast called Juicing the Numbers. We cover the NFL, college football, MLB and the NHL with anything that we like to talk about in between. If you like sports and the numbers behind it, come check out our show, Juicing the Numbers, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at Juicing POD.